welcome to the Highland Good Food Podcast. My name is Emma Whittam and I'm delighted that you've decided to join the movement. So today I'm joined by Rachel Butterworth, a dear friend and colleague from MooFood. So welcome Rachel. Thank you. To the Highland Good Food Podcast. It's great to have you here. It's nice to be here. So to get started, before we actually do move in to the MooFood um, topic, because that's what you're here to talk to us about today, mm-hmm. it'd be great if you could give us a little bit of background information about yourself and your journey in the food sector in Scotland and the Highlands. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I kind of accidentally ended up working in food. I was training to be a ranger a few years ago. I was quite interested in conservation and things like that, but I couldn't get a job in conservation. And uh, I ended up applying for a job to be a food development officer for a charity, a small charity in a village in Perthshire in Cooper Angus. And I think I talked my way into that job just with my kind of passion for the environment because it was particularly to do with food and the environment. But I didn't know a huge amount about the food sector and I didn't know much about community food at that time. But I had a bit of a trial by fire with that job and, and I was in it for nearly two years and really opened my eyes up to the amazing work that was going on in community food all around Scotland. And during that job, I had the opportunity to go on the food leadership programme with Nourish Scotland. And that was just one of the most incredible experiences of my life. It was just meeting loads of other young, passionate folk in Scotland who were doing really interesting things. Like there were foragers, there were bakers, there were policy makers, there was everything all together for very intensive five days of training together. And that was made such an impression on me and made me want to do more with food, but also to do more physically with my hands to do with food. Like I, I wanted to grow more, I wanted to really get into the nitty gritty parts of like, right, how do we grow food? How do we then make food? How do we then nourish ourselves and make ourselves less dependent on a huge globalized food system? And so that really started me off on a really interesting journey, which I'm still absolutely on now. And, uh, and then wended my way through various foodie jobs and experiences. I was a crofter on the West Coast for a short while um, and then came east and came across you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and then we kind of bashed out the planning of Moo Food together and then created Moo Food, of which I've worked for. Craig, it must be guys, coming yeah. on for three years. Three You've been years. part of the team, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, and so. That's sort of where I am now. Where you, where you are now. No, that does seem like a pretty epic experience that you had with Nourish mm-hmm. and quite life changing because it really has dictated the um, the direction that you've taken and your, your future choices, hasn't it? Yep. But not only with work, but also um, growing your own at home. Yeah. And socially as well. I met so many incredible, inspiring people on that week. And some of them, I'm like, I consider them my best friends now. And... And when we get together, you know, you know, when people say, like, if you're trying to change the world or you're trying to do anything different, you need yeah. to find your tribe. Yeah. You need to find your people who are speaking the same kind yeah. of language as you. And the people who I met on that course and who I'm still friends with to this day, we don't need to explain ourselves to each other. We absolutely speak the same language. We all want the same things to do with the food system and to do with social justice as well, which yeah. has to be interlinked with so the So those food people system. are your tribe. They're absolutely They're your my tribe. tribe. Um, and so 
it was incredibly formative and really inspirational, a really supporting environment. Yeah, that definitely influenced my journey with food. Fantastic. Well, that is actually good. So you mentioned there that we um, we met three years ago mm -hmm. when you came up to the Highlands. And I think, was it Tony Clark that introduced you to me? Yeah, I knew Tony um, through the crofting stuff. So um, I contacted her when I moved up to the Highlands saying, I don't have a job, I'm an unemployed food education officer. Do you know anyone who I might be able to get a job off? <laughs> and she gave me your email address. That's right. And so I emailed you and said, uh, this is my experience. Do you need any help setting up this Moo Food malarkey? And that email was an answer to my prayers because I'd just become redundant from the Highland Council and I just had set up my food it just it just started to exist but i had no team around me yet i had no idea of how i was actually going to implement a lot of that ideas that were in my head about my food so it was really great when you got in touch because then suddenly there became two of us mm -hmm. it became so much easier to bash out the ideas bash out ideas had. for um, sure yeah and your amazing kind of inspirational ideas and really excited big thinking matched with my on the ground experience of working in a community worked yeah. really well because we were able to make move food tangible yeah for sure like what physically do we want to be doing in yeah. Murevord yeah and how are we going to measure it and how are we going to influence people and how are we going yeah. to change things yeah so those first sort of six nine months you would have volunteered at move food yeah so tell us a little bit about that and just thinking right back to the very start. So MooFood, what, 2017? Mm -hmm. This takes us to the, wasn't it? It was, MooFood was just registered as an organisation. So Rachel, if you could tell us what actually is MooFood and where it is and what the main ideas behind MooFood are. Yeah, so MooFood was created to be a community organisation that was really trying to improve people's food choices in Murevord, but also to improve the opportunities for people to be able to access good food in Murevord. We have a couple of very, very tiny supermarkets in Murevord, not a huge variety of food that you can buy here, but yeah. we are surrounded by local producers, we are surrounded by lots of farmers and stuff, but actually accessing good food in Murevort was really difficult. Yeah. You had to get in your car and drive to Inverness or drive to Dingwall. Yeah. And we really wanted to improve access to food, but also increase the food skills that people would have in the village and therefore the resilience that the village would have against climate change that is happening at the moment, but will also continue yeah. to happen. Yeah. With a group of us, we managed to tangibly come up with, right, we want to have food growing in the village. We want to have veg boxes growing throughout the village so that people can harvest their own fruit and veg for free from the boxes. That was sort of part one. Um, part two was having a community fridge where we could redistribute food from supermarkets, from local businesses um, that was going to go into the bin, was going to go into landfill um, and have this food instead redistributed via the fridge for free. And so yeah. it redirects that food away from landfill and into people's bellies. Yeah. Um, perfectly good food that was just being thrown away. And then the third part was that we were planting an orchard as well. So we created a community orchard on council land. We got permission from the council to do that. And that we wanted it to be a community asset. That orchard, those boxes and the fridge 
they don't belong to Moo Food, they belong to the Muravord village and everybody who lives here. That's a really important part of the Moo Food philosophy and values, if you like, isn't it? Yeah. That everything that happens in Muravord is for the Muravord people. So if you could tell us a little bit more about sharing and the examples of the partnership working that, that happens in Muravord, because really Moo Food's been more of an enabler than anything. And I think that that's perhaps part of the model that people find quite interesting. So if you could tell us a little bit more about that, that would be really good. Yeah, I think early on, we knew that MooFood wasn't going to achieve very much if we were just an external organisation that came in that said like, right, we're going to do this, 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 this. Instead, we decided very much to approach the local groups who already existed and to say, what do you need from us? What can we do to help you get better food or cook, learn to cook or learn to grow food? What do you want from us and how can we facilitate that? Um, so we very early on made really good links with the primary school. The deputy head there immediately came onto our board. The head teacher has been really supportive and we created a whole food programme to work with every single class. But what was so important was that we weren't coming in with our own agenda for it. We were asking the school, what do you want? And they really wanted to be more involved in the community. They really wanted there to be more of a connection between the school and community. And food was the method of being able to do that. And so we got the school involved in the community fridge. They were the biggest partners of the of the fridge because all the kids go and check the fridge every single day keep it clean during school time but also the school said they wanted to grow more food in the school and they wanted every kid to plant harvest and cook food yeah, yeah. that was from the school grounds mm -hmm. and so we just enabled that to happen yeah. um, and we used land that was already there we luckily they already had a polytunnel from a previous project but even if we hadn't had the polytunnel we would have just used the land that was yeah. already there we kept it simple which was really good kept the message going with every single class that it's really easy to plant some seeds grow some food harvest it and cook it and that the satisfaction that one gets from doing that almost outweighs like even just the nutritional value of it okay. it's just the empowerment that goes with it and the the sense of achievement of like i i've done that and i I've cooked that for myself and I've eaten it and and what we noticed with the kids was that they also loved getting their hands dirty, they loved getting involved with it. Yeah. That is a huge partnership that we have with Moo Food, it's with the local school. We've also built up relationships with the Mir Hub. They absolutely have their finger on the pulse of what's happening in the village yeah. and getting the Mir Hub on board with the community fridge was so important as well so that we have buy-in from other community groups. So what is their involvement with the community fridge? The Muravor Development Trust have the fridge on their property and also they pay for the electricity for it which is very important as well but they're very much one of the shared partners of it and so because the fridge is an asset to the whole village they support that and they enable that to happen as well and they're an incredibly supportive partner in that about getting the word out about it and spreading the messages about it yeah. what's been so good about the the fridge is that it's a really easy way to demonstrate how we can save food from going to landfill but also measure it in a really tangible way because we know how much food is going into the fridge mm -hmm how much food is taken out so we can work out like we've got you know hundreds of kilograms hundreds and hundreds of kilograms of food going in especially during covid and 
that food goes within half an hour as well. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's incredibly fast turnaround. So it's definitely making a difference, not only to the planet, but also nuanced. You know, it's, it's also making a difference to food poverty in the village, um, a reduction mm-hmm. in food poverty. We, we know that people use the fridge when they're in need as well. But what's the kind of magical thing about it is that it's not just for people who are in difficulties. And so no one knows then if you go to the fridge, whether you're having trouble buying food yeah. or if actually you're going to get some yummy cakes from the cafe because actually it stops them going into the bin. So you are a climate yeah. hero as well by doing yeah. that. And it's been a really great way of celebrating that everyone in the village can do their bit by actually using the community fridge. You can you know, reduce climate change and stuff by using the community fridge and also making the village more resilient to food insecurity. Yeah. Well, thanks for that, Rachel. And explain. <laughs> no, no, thanks for that. And I think I think just before we, we, we move on, it'd be great for you to tell us a bit about how the usage of the community fridge has changed during COVID-19, like what mm. you have what you were just alluding to there, because there has been massive changes, hasn't there, in terms yeah. of level of donations and, the, and the, um, the level of people actually using it at the other end too. Yeah, well, I think it's quite interesting that you and I were in the process of setting up another charity which was going to be promoting more community fridge creation around the highlands. And then actually COVID hit. And during that time, loads of other organisations have contacted us at Move Food and have said, we're setting up our own community fridge. Can you tell us how you did it? How did you deal with the insurance? How did you do it? How did you get the message out? And we've shared all our information um, to make it as easy as possible. <laughs> but without sounding crass, COVID's actually kind of done our job for us because literally everybody in the UK has felt that food insecurity. Yeah. For a few weeks between March and April, I would say that everybody felt a slight panic of mm-hmm. what am I going to do if I go to the shops and there's no bread on the shelves, yeah. there's no pasta, there's no fresh <laughs> veg. And we had always been talking about it in Move Food and other organisations I've worked for as a hypothetical thing of, well, one day we might have food insecurity and so we better put these things in place so that we feel more in control of our food. But actually, it it hit us as a cold, hard reality Mm -hmm. in March. And so it was a horrendous shock to most people, but it actually made our arguments so much easier to make, (laughs) wasn't it? That we went, and actually our... um, suddenly a huge number of people were using the community fridge. Luckily also the donations that were going into the community fridge went up as well because we'd negotiated with Tesco, with Lidl to be delivering directly to the fridge every day, isn't it? Yeah, through volunteers. Yeah, through our volunteers. So volunteers went, yeah. and, went yeah. and got food every single day. And, it, and other villages, other towns saying we want to have our own community fridge and we are going to organise it for ourselves. Yeah. That was a new narrative. We'd had requests over the last few years of, oh, could Move Food come to our village and set up a community fridge? And we would always go, well, no, we can tell you how to do it. We can share how to do it, but you need to take responsibility for it. But actually, the 
the language that was being used during COVID was very much community empowerment. We've decided we want this for our village. <laughs> so can you just tell us how you did it and we'll copy you and do it uh, yeah. our way? And we went, yes, yes, that's it. That's what we've been trying to do. So our charity that we were setting up, we didn't need to set up anymore because... No longer required. Yeah, it yeah. was no longer required. Um, so that's a very interesting change that has happened during COVID that we at Move Food feel that we don't need to try and convince people as much anymore that food insecurity is an imminent issue, but it's a current issue. It's happening right now and people, yeah. people believe it now. Absolutely, yeah. So that's one significant change that COVID-19 has brought in Move Food. What other changes have you seen in the work that you've been doing with Move Food in the last few months? Well, we wanted to find out quite early on with lockdown how our local residents, how their behaviour had changed during lockdown. What were they doing differently with regards to their food and access to food? So um, we did a community survey and from the responses that we got back, most people were now getting their food locally. They were buying it from local shops, getting local deliveries from the Black Isle Dairy and stuff and Corner on the Square and things and Robertson's, the farm shop in Bewley and stuff like that as well. So lots of people living in the village who would normally have just got in their car and driven to Tesco in Dingwall were instead accessing food from these local producers and normal people suddenly seem to feel like these local producers were therefore more reliable. They could they could rely on them to get yeah. their food mm -hmm. to them. But also this huge, amazing feeling of community. With Moo Food in particular, we got funding from the emergency funding from the Scottish government to distribute food parcels to people who were really in dire need of help with their food. And we've also started up a swap shop with the other community groups. So it's made normal people, I would say, like so So the general population of Neurobot, it's made people consider actually getting food from my local producers is more reliable yeah. during this difficult yeah. time than me putting myself into a dangerous, potentially dangerous situation yeah. going to the supermarket and instead looking for these local solutions to food yeah. insecurity. And it highlighted actually that the solutions were already there these were things that we have been arguing with Move Food for the last three years and other organisations as yeah. well, like Transition yeah. Black Isle and things have been arguing for years. We should be buying more local food. We should be supporting our local producers. Um, what was really good, I think, in our area, I don't know so much about other areas, is that at least the supply was there. Um, I think probably the demand has completely gone over the supply now. I know that the veg box schemes and stuff are full completely yeah, in, in our area. area. But at least we did have some kind of local food system already. Just people needed to access it. You know, they yeah. had to realise it was there. <laughs> and our local suppliers and producers were very quick to diversify, yeah. weren't they? When you think about the couple of examples of our local farm shops, within a couple of weeks, their product range had probably quadrupled. Yeah. So they were obviously finding new... Um, new supply routes themselves to increase their offer yeah, um, and people have responded to that but it'll be very interesting going forward to see what consumer loyalty will be like yeah i mean you think that well that was one of the questions that we asked in the community survey was after lockdown do you think you'll go back 
to how you were shopping before. And I think everybody said, no, this is great. This is fab. I, wow. re I really love yeah. getting my veg box. I really love that. I know that the delivery person who's coming from just Bewley or whatever to Muir yeah. Ford and, and we have a nice chat and I know them and I can request certain yeah. things. And everybody's said, That's really I don't think so. Um, yeah. so. So at Moo Food, we also noticed during COVID that we were getting a lot of inquiries for people asking about how to grow their own. And I'm sure this is the same across the whole country, but you know, there's a shortage of seeds and a shortage of tools and stuff because suddenly everybody wanted to grow their yeah. own vegetables at home. And this is again comes back to my point of this stark, sudden realisation of our food system is incredibly vulnerable. Um, and so the way to, to shorten your food supply chain massively is to just grow your own veg in the back garden. There you go. Nice and short supply chain there. Um, <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, we try to enable that as much as possible. We started doing our what on earth do I do with workshop videos. So that's all about growing your own veg at home. And also once you've grown it, what to do with it, how to cook it, how to preserve it. Because loads of people love well, what I've learned in my food jobs is that loads of people will love planting and loads of people love gardening. But it's really hard to get people to harvest, actually. <laughs> Um, and so we're really trying to bridge that part of the journey of going, actually, you can harvest the food that you've grown and cook it and eat it as well. <laughs> so we've been really trying to encourage that and enable the skills for that to happen. Also, we've been sharing a lot of seeds and a lot of seedlings in Muravod. Our food coordinator, Ellie, she's been growing a lot of food for the veg boxes in Muravod, but of course have too many seedlings like loads of people do. Um, and so we started putting those seedlings next to the community fridge in a little greenhouse. So as well as people going to the community fridge to get them, you know, roll or whatever that's been donated from Tesco, you can also go and get your kale seedlings and take those home as well and plant some kale in your garden. And that's been really popular. And Ellie said she's even had people you know, waiting for when she's going to yeah. drop the seedlings off. Um, so well, that has been really, really popular, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah, and it's also been residents who have been growing too many seedlings have also been dropping them off as well. So it starts this kind of cyclical economy in the village, which is great, of, OK, I've, I've got too much of something, so I'm going to let someone else have it who doesn't have anything at all. And, and it all starts going round and also builds that community feeling and community support and yeah. and that we're all a, a big team together Absolutely. to get through this crisis. Resilient people and resilient communities, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. yeah. So thinking about the role that you've had in MooFood and the role that MooFood has in the community and then taking that to the next level of thinking what role communities have in a sustainable food system in the Highlands. Mm. What do you think, what role do you think that communities would have in that? I think community empowerment and I think communities taking responsibility as well for where they get their food from or having some new solutions, having some new ideas is going to be so integral to the food journey that needs to happen in the Highlands that we need to not just get our food from down south and it just gets brought up to us or that we're growing food or rearing food up here and it just gets sold down south as well you know whether it comes to fish or meat and stuff as well that it gets exported away from the highlands but actually how do we produce and keep 
Highland food within the community. And so really empowering community groups and community members to take ownership of their land and their assets and to be supported. I think what was key with Move Food's success was that we've had very good support from the Highland Council. They've let us have the land, yeah. you know, that we've asked for. They've supported us when we've come forward with some sometimes radical ideas. Yeah. Um, and, and provided us with the money to get going as well exactly. from our Carbon Clever Fund. Exactly. Which was, which and so I, I think it's good to demonstrate as well that the myth of, oh, the council won't let us do that or something, needs to be broken because actually our experience with the Highland Council was that it has been very supportive. Yeah, definitely. Um, and so if community groups can come up with what their village or town or dispersed community need, yep and then come up with a kind of a tangible plan of, right, we want to have a market or we want to have an online food delivery system or yeah. we want to have community fridges, whatever it is, coming up with that and then feeling like they can either go to the community council, get permission to get the land to get, you know, and do it in partnership instead of feeling isolated. Yeah. And if communities can feel also that they're part of the food movement in the highlands then it starts to become normalized what we want to do yeah having short food supply chains you know really buying your food as local as possible and also knowing what to do with that food knowing how to cook it knowing how to preserve it you know all these skills as well it all starts to become normal and second nature if mm -hmm. it can be led from communities up yeah. rather than being dictated to from top down yeah yeah that certainly is a an empowering way to look at it isn't mm. it so the big question for the highland good food conversation is how can we produce more sustainable food in the highlands for local people now i know that you're initially coming from uh, the role that communities can have in growing more of their own food but i think about that question maybe in its, in its wider sense mm -hmm. So how do you think we can produce more sustainable food in the Highlands for local people? Just share that's your ideas. Huge, that's a huge question. <laughs> I'm glad that we're going to have many days to pick that apart. And without, without it becoming a monster that grows arms and legs, I do think we need to consider where food sits within a bigger system. System is not the right word. Um, you know, we can't think about food without thinking about soil and we can't think about food without thinking about health and we can't think about food without thinking about farms and, and the industry economy. and yeah. the economy yeah. and people's jobs yeah. and stuff as well. And it's always going to be a balancing act, isn't it? Yeah. With this, especially in the highlands, we, we also need to respect. It's about respecting like traditions as well, isn't it? but also looking forward into the future yeah. and kind of going, just because something's always been done that way doesn't mean that we have to continue doing it that way, yeah. but being sensitive to people's culture and their feelings and their emotions around this food. What we've learned as well in Move Food is that food is incredibly emotional. Yeah, like it's definitely. It, our connection to food is sometimes our identity as well, and particularly often, when yeah. it comes to producers, you know, when it comes to farmers and landowners and stuff as well, you know, food is your identity. Mm -hmm. And so we do need to be sensitive to that. But I think also we need to be 
really forward thinking and really thinking about what do we need to change because something has to change what, what are we going to change to make our food in the highlands not damage the land and not damage us and so yeah sorry that doesn't answer your question at all no, but that, <laughs> but no, that's, kind that's of okay good. that's okay why do you think we need change why do you think the food system in the highland needs to change rachel because I don't think it's changing fast enough. That is my answer to that. I think we have some really good initiatives in the Highlands of getting into local food and protecting soils and getting people more interested mm -hmm. in growing their own and, and being involved in community food. But we're running out of time to make a difference to the planet. And also we have a pretty bad diet as well up here in the Highlands and and we need to address our health side of it as well, our, our links between what food we're eating and our health. And I think we have an opportunity, if we see it as that, to reimagine our food system in the Highlands as an opportunity. Opportunity for young people to come and live in the Highlands. Yeah. I mean, like, I moved up to the Highlands when I was 27 because there was some interesting stuff going on up here. Yeah. And it was like, I've met some cool people up here, some really interesting young crofters who are wanting to do things differently. Right, I'm gonna move up here. And we need more young people moving up to the Highlands. We need to repopulate it. <laughs> we need to have hope and we need to have innovation. And so I think with the right attitude, we can be demonstrating an amazing food system in the Highlands. World changing, world leading. Yeah. Why not? Why not? So just to finish off, Rachel, if you could pick one thing, one change that you would like to see in the Highland food system by 2030, what would it be? I would like to see all of the front lawns in my street. <laughs> having vegetables grown in them instead. I would like to see the potential land that is currently not being used for anything turned over to growing food. That's wow. what I would like to see. Wow, that looks like a pretty special place, huh? Mm -hmm. So well, I'm starting with my front lawn and I'm getting rid of it and I'm growing vegetables in my front lawn because you've got to start somewhere. There's got to be some people who are just demonstrating how it can be done dotted around the highlands and yeah. for enough people to go oh what's going on here oh that looks quite cool i want to do it too and i think i think finishing on that note is really quite positive because that has probably been one of the most amazing things about move food it's not just what we've done in this one village it's the ripple effect mm -hmm of how one small project can inspire so many other communities across the area. Mm -hmm. So your idea that you're starting off with your lawn, you never know who you're going to inspire, Rachel. Mm -hmm. So 2030, we'll check back in and see how many <laughs> people are growing veg in their lawns. Yep. I love that vision, that's fantastic. And it shows us that it's something that we can actually actively do ourselves. Yep. Do you know, we can we can be that change. And it's, it's small and it's simple. It doesn't have to be that you have to move out to the countryside and have a croft yeah. to be able to make a difference with yeah. it. You just need a windowsill 
yeah. or you just need a little bit of lawn yeah. at the front or the back of your garden and reimagine it yeah. into Love it. growing your own food. Oh, that's great. Well, Rachel, thanks so much for joining us here today on the Highland Good Foods podcast. It's been great to hear about Moo Food and about your ideas for the future. So thank you. Thanks very much.